Hello and welcome to In Conversation with P&G Beauty, a mini-series discussing global issues impacting the beauty industry today. 2020 social justice movement call for businesses and brands to take meaningful steps in the support of racial equality. So how, in 2021, does the beauty industry build a roadmap that challenges brands to be more integrated, deliberate, and inclusive across their business units? To help me answer these questions and more, it is my pleasure to introduce this week's panel. Hello to Leela Kofi, Vice President of Brands, North America and Hair Portfolio at P&G Beauty. Hello to Dr. Rolanda Wilkinson, Principal Scientist and Senior Management of Scientific Communications, also at P&G Beauty. Hello to Tyel Hayes, Senior Vice President, Brand Strategy and Marketing at BET. Welcome, everybody. Thank you. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Good morning. Leela, let's start with you. What were the social drivers preparing the need for the 4R framework? Yes, really what we're seeing in is the social unrest that of the past year has really been driving a lot of brands to speak out in support of the different communities, whether that be African-American, Asian, and in PNG Beauty, as brands were getting ready to join the conversation, we had to stop and assess whether that they could join that conversation credibly or not. Um, it's really risky for a brand to speak out in support if they haven't been in support of that community in the past, because it can be seen as opportunistic, it can be seen as patronizing. And as brands were stepping back to assess if they could speak out credibly, I was seeing that there was a need to help them assess where they were. And if they weren't in a place where they could speak out, how do they start on the journey to be able to uh, build that credibility? And that's really where this 4R framework came from. And the 4R stand for reach, representation, relevance, and resonance. And the framework is really a way for brands to assess where they are on building their brand into an inclusive brand and then gives them the steps to start creating relationships with those diverse groups of consumers um, to be able to have those groups of consumers feel like they are in support of them. We are seeing consumers, especially young consumers, diverse consumers, really now hold brands accountable. They wanna know what brands stand for. Consumers wanna know not just what they're buying, they wanna know what they're buying into. And brands have the responsibility to stand up for that and to represent that, but they have to have a history of, of having done that. So the 4R framework is really a way to allow them to do that, to have brands, to have consumers see themselves as represented, cared for, respected by the brands that they're consuming. And what have been the implications for R&D, Rolanda? So Leela mentioned, you know, the focus that we've had in beauty with the 4R framework. I am a part of a team of scientists that's worked on a brand called Goal Series by Pantene. Uh, within that brand, the scientists have been front and center. So I just want to speak a little bit in regards to reach, how the brand really is for us, Pantene really needed to get our message out, our products, as well as our scientists where women would engage in spaces and places that were relevant to them. So we had grassroots activations at cultural festivals where our scientists actually attended 
We engaged in front and center discussions about our products as well as its benefits. The brand also showed up in national radio interviews that I even had a pleasure of being a part of as a Gold Series scientist, along with another one of the stylists who was also part of the development of Gold Series. We were actually reaching her in areas that were relevant to her as well as important to her. So in regards to reach, uh, Pantene had not been a traditional brand that showed up consistently in support of the black community or even black women. So it was important to really address that and do the work to build trust and equity with her. If not, we would have most certainly risk being seen as opportunistic. The brand has consistently now and authentically taken action to support or be in support of our community over the years. For many years, our scientists had a focus on STEM programs, and this has been authentic and true to who we are and what our passion really is, going into our communities, teaching and demonstrating how science comes to life in real world applications, specifically in the area of beauty, because that's where it's relevant to us. This support of STEM has been amplified with additional STEM programs that have expanded to reach and drive more black women into technical careers, like partnerships that we have with CVS and UNCF to give scholarships, STEM scholarships to women in historically black colleges and universities and other schools as well. Do you see this reflected across the media landscape, Tyel? Yes, we do. And one of the, the privileges that we have at, at BET is, is not only being a pillar of the community and the number one network with African-Americans, we also have the great privilege of working with brands to help them authentically reach the black consumer. And through that work that we do, we are really um, com competent and comfortable in talking about where the media landscape has been has moving and where it's shaping, how it's then driving the, these conversations. In terms of how this is how this is impacting beauty, where I would start with this is really looking at the role that beauty brand brands play in diverse women's lives, in all women's lives. Beauty brands are both a reflection of where she is now and where she wants to go. And that relationship that beauty brands have always had with, with women have, has allowed them in these really um, difficult times we've had over the past year, where there's been a global pandemic and a, and a social awakening around race and bias to really look to why are they making some of the choices they are making, right? How am I leaning into the brands that, that I want to represent me to be a part of this, to be a part of my life? And when we look at what technology has done, which has really allowed for the democratization of this purchase journey, what we found is brands are now much closer to founders and makers, as Rolanda mentioned, they are much closer to them than ever before. And that, that is now really giving a, an amazing opportunity for brands to really think about how are they being purpose-led, how they're being purpose-driven, how they're leaning into these four R's, to really drive that, that deep relationship. Because in many ways, the macro shift has, been, has now been raised. The bar has been raised now in terms of what a relationship with the consumer is gonna look like. And we see that running across now, especially in beauty, because the role that beauty brands play, but we're also seeing it across auto, across food brands. People are really thoughtful now about where am I spending my money? Where am I investing my dollar? You know, they're, they're really talking about ingredients and story. And these things are all a part of a broader narrative that is really shaping how consumers are making um, decisions today. How is digital technology transforming the debate, Vila? You know, such a great question. What really digital technology has done is 
everybody has the ability to see everything and interact with everything, which really means is positives and negatives. For a brand, there's no excuse for not being able to find and reach diverse consumers in the context where those consumers are, which is a great thing. As you think about the, the first R and the four R's of reach, making sure that consumers are seeing your message, digital technology has really transformed the ability to do that. The other thing that it does is it enables a dialogue. To Tyel's point, brands want to, or consumers want to have conversations with their brands so they can and will talk back, which also means that feedback is absolutely immediate, right? You put a message out there, you're going to hear about it positively or negatively either way. So digital has been transformative for that. Uh, the other thing that it's really done from a 4R standpoint is really in the area of relevance, being able to understand your consumer, what benefits are important to her, what she cares about in society, what matters to her or him. And digital has made that seamless. You could go on TikTok right now and have a, um, you know, find all you need to know about caring for natural hair in about a 30 minute time frame, right? And have a conversation back with consumers. Or you could go to Clubhouse and start that conversation. So as brand builders, it has really raised the bar, both from the ability to connect, the ability to learn, and also the ability to have that conversation. And does digital impact the R&D process, Rolanda? It does. With everything being so accessible in real time, consumers expect to be able to interact with the people behind the products that Lila and Tyel mentioned, as well as the brand, and be a part of that journey. It's been extremely important for us to do that. So as scientists, we are a part of live social discussions, for example, with stylists about coily hair health and how our products have been developed. Tayo really talked about people wanting to get into the brand and understand the brand. They're asking the questions like we were mentioned about ingredients. We've also hosted Ask Me sessions or Ask Me Anything sessions on live digital discussions so that scientists can interact with consumers and answer their questions. We are being vulnerable, transparent and accessible while at the same time demystifying the people behind the products and even how they've been developed. There's an element of trust and transparency that digital allows us to demonstrate with the real-time consumer engagements that we can and are expected to have. As scientists, we've been open to telling our personal hair journeys and sharing our role with the brand's journey. It's all about being transparent. And these are just some examples of how that's come to life for us. And for you, Tyel? Yes, I, I I believe the idea of how social has really helped to, and digital has helped to, to transform this is really rooted in the communication styles of diverse of, of diverse groups. I, I spent my formative years at, at PNG learning about consumers. And one of the little dirty little secrets that we knew back then was, for example, word of mouth is has always been much more important to diverse women than to than to than to non-diverse women. And we knew this from all the research, but there wasn't technology to get there because there used to be three networks and you kind of had to <laughs> had to advertise on, on those three to get your reach. But now to leave this point, literally my TikTok dermatologist, my the review who I love, a celebrity who I'm following, and my sister and my stylist all come together to create my my tribe. I have a hair tribe, right? And we kind of move through this. I'll, I'll share a personal story. My daughter's adopted and she's mixed race and she has extremely curly fine hair. I don't know what to do with it. The number of time, hours I have spent calling every one of my female friends who I know, I have literally stopped women on the street and be like, excuse me, my daughter has your hair type. What are you using? 
So information is out there and people are directing me right to online services. Hey, go to TikTok, follow this person. Go to Instagram, follow this person. So not only are the platforms there and people are giving tons of, of information and tutorials, we know that through the power of what we know as Black Twitter, which is really this Black ecosystem of the internet, that Black folks really have always been using the internet to really carry out this idea of community learning, word of mouth building that has been such a pillar for our community. It used to be the church and now it's the internet, right? And so that's how I'm getting my information and how we're learning. And so this is really just to help speed it up and really gives you an opportunity as a brand to be endemic in these spaces where people are. I think that's the important piece of the four hour framework when we think about digital. It allows brands, it now means you have to really be endemic in the spaces where these consumers are because they are hiding in every nook and cranny of the internet. I, I was just gonna build on Tyel's story for a second. Um, I would have loved to have that the internet growing. I grew up on a farm in Iowa um, and I adopted. Uh, my parents were white and there were no resources for what to do with my hair at all, right? If I had no diverse people around to ask. And I think the world that our kids are growing up in is just so much, um, so much improved from that and the information is at hand, but that I would have loved to have been able to reach out to someone and be like, help me with my hair. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to build on that story. <laughs> so Leela, how does the operating environment affect the four hours framework? The operating environment is absolutely critical. Um, E&I, equality and inclusion, needs to be built into everything we do. And um, I think I am very fortunate, Rolan and I are very fortunate, I had the same experience, to work for a company like Procter & Gamble that has a very serious stance when it comes to um, equality and inclusion and has been doing the work for a long time. Uh, and in P&G Beauty, we operate that same way. Uh, for us, equality and inclusion is part of the PNG Beauty Responsible Beauty platform, which to me is very telling. Responsible beauty could be all about sustainability. You know, is our packaging recyclable? Are we um, sourcing our ingredients responsibly? But we felt strongly, Alex Keith, our CEO, felt strongly that you can't have responsible beauty without including equality and inclusion. So responsible beauty has a pillar for, for that, which is critical. Um, the other part about the operating uh, environment is the teams. Diversity of teams is critical. And we do focus on that at PNG Beauty because we need our teams to reflect the consumers that we're serving. So on our multicultural hair brands, the vast uh, majority of the people that are on those teams are diverse women so that we can serve women in a very authentic way. Um, and then our agencies. Having agencies that are doing the, making the commercials, making the marketing communications that connect with the consumers, having those agency teams be as diverse as possible as well, also enables our ability to connect with consumers very, very authentically. So it is critical that the operating environment at every step reflects the uh, diversity of those we're trying to reach. And for you, Rolanda, in R&D, 
Yes, this one is a big one for me. Leela mentioned that ENI needs to work for everything and in everything that we do. From an innovation perspective, it's so very important to ensure that the testing we do is inclusive and that includes the technical testing. For example, including her hair texture, even in the most utmost upstream testing down to down, downstream product design, as well as consumer testing is super important. We found that even an inclusion and exclusion criteria for studies across hair care we were actually screening her out, screening coily hair consumers out by the nature of the questions we were asking. So for example, for many years, our scalp studies limited inclusion criteria to people who wash their hair every three days. Well, if you, if you know black women and you have a black friend and I, we don't wash our hair every three days. On average, we may wash our hair once a week and, and that could be longer for some. So this is something that we had to address even in our testing across multiple brands so that it's inclusive to begin with and we can optimally design products and even learn with her so that we are meeting those that particular consumer needs. Now this speaks to the need for representation in the 4R framework. Uh, if we don't have representation, even in the testing and the design, as well as how we learn, and who we partner with, with brands, we will struggle to, authentic, struggle to authentically reach these consumers, the black consumer. Uh, speaking of partnering, we were also intentional about bringing in trusted external partners as a part of the innovation process. We brought in black dermatologists, black stylists, and even a black physician or physics, phys physicist who understood heat transfer and coily hair. So partnering with these experts allowed us to design and innovate in ways, not only leveraging their expertise, but also taking into consideration where this consumer is vesting her trust and the people who have equity with her. And so as a result, we've really been able to build in representation and then they can also see that as these brands come to life. An example of a brand who's really been on this for our journey is Old Spice. And Old Spice is a brand that has had black men in its advertising for forever. The Old Spice guys have always been black in my, in my recent memory, whether it's Terry Crews or Isaiah. And so as the brand was looking at their business statistics, they were very surprised to learn that they were underrepresented from a household pen penetration perspective with black men. It just wasn't making sense to them. And so the brand decided to go on a, a little bit of an exploration journey to understand what was it about how they were operating that was making them not perform as well with black men. And we reached out to BET and Tyel to go on this journey with us um, to better understand what was going on. And Tyel, I'll let you explain a little bit about that journey. Yeah, that was actually a, a really amazing experience to bring to life and operationalize one of these, these four R's. In the journey, what we did was they really wanted to anchor the experience of uh, black culture inside of the initiative. And I think that was actually really smart. So instead of saying, I just want to talk to some black folks, right? Uh, let's go to a barbershop. We, we actually anchored the immersions inside of the benefit that we were looking for in the um, product launch. And that allowed us to open up ourselves to some really different partners. So we did a tour of Harlem. We did a walking tour with the, with the creative agency, the media agency, the brand team to all go around to everywhere from t-shirt shops to sneakers on places to, and yes, barbershops, also to restaurants, talking to folks. And then we um, brought in a group of influencers to our offices to really have a conversation around how do black men show up? When they're ready to show out, how do they show up? 
And that was in that, that those deep, rich conversations with other professionals that help black men get ready was actually really rich. And as someone who previously worked on those fights, I had never even done that when I was working on the brand. And so it was really, it was, it was a great way to think about how, to Leela's point, these four R's, this is a journey. You will start somewhere and you have to keep pushing and keep building and have fun with it. That was probably one of the funnest things I've done in the past five years, but it, it was a great way to really learn more about a community, really lean in to understanding you know, um, relevance in a really significant way. And what the brand found, one of the biggest issues that they that they found was the humor that Old Spice used in its advertising in the context of having Black men as the lead role was did not at all resonate with Black men. They found it buffoonish. They found it demeaning. Grooming to Black men is a very important category, right? Because first impressions, unfortunately, uh, are the difference between life and death for black men, right? So it is a it is a topic that they take very seriously. Not that it can't be done with humor, but that hum humor has to be respectful. And the research that we did partnering with BET really brought that to life. So you'll see a change in Old Spice's advertising in terms of how they're using black talent, the tone of the humor that they're using, and also the stances that Old Spice is taking now in the community for black men. Um, they are really working on being relevant and resonant, and the business results are showing that. But it took that full immersion with the agency, with the brand team, with a media partner like BET um, to really get at the heart of the issue. And the brand has really responded quite well to that. Yeah, and I'll add Leela too. I, I love a part of this out. Um, a, a second piece of the work that we did with Old Spice in the broader male portfolio was to partner on the Black Men Revealed study. So we spent, we did about a six month, a six month piece of work partnering with, with PNG and BET to really understand Black men, how they show up in the world, to understand their humanity, not their disparities. And that, and that, that work again involved cross brand teams, agency partners, creative teams. We all went on a learning journey for about six months, talking to over 1200 men hours and hours of in-home interviews, really learning about these men in a really unique way. And by, by putting that humanity inside of the process allows you to then have a really different conversation. It allows you to see where you may have biases, right? Where you may have some challenges, where you may have blind spots, because now you're trying to reach them where they are versus trying to give them something that, that you have. And that fundamental shift in how Old Spice looked at themselves in relationship to this consumer has yielded all of the um, the great resonance they've, they've had with the community, helped to expand the reach and really help drive the overall business for them. And I will add one more thing. I, I wanna make it very clear that to be on this for our journey, you do not have to be diverse. You don't have to be black to do this work. You don't have to be Asian. You don't have to be Latinx. All you need is a sense of curiosity a method to learn and to know the right questions to ask. So, so sometimes I get asked, well, we don't have a diverse team. That's okay. All you need to do is start to learn about the consumer, get on the journey and start to put those, those learnings into practice. So don't feel like you have to be diverse to understand diversity. And how do you see this being implemented across the media, Tyel? Operationalizing this is really important. I think it, re it really goes down to the key fundamental that 
inclusion drives innovation and innovation drives inclusion, right? And so when, when we have a more in inclusive environment, as Rolanda said, just thinking through those steps of the development process and being really thoughtful about where do we have gaps and being open to the idea that we have, that we have systems that have allowed those gaps to, to exist becomes important. I want to take it downstream to the media environment. So once you have the product and now getting that product to consumers, what we have found through our work is that it is really important. It's equally as important to make sure through that entire process, you actually have inclusion. So when you think about um, right now, people generally stop at casting. They're like, in this total market world, I think casting's all I need. I'm gonna get an, a racially ambiguous looking person who has a kind of hair type that's a little bit of everyone's. I'm gonna put them in and that's gonna check the box for everyone. And what, what we are finding through, through our research is that outside of your big major events in the media space, like think your, you know, your, your um, cable news and think your big sporting events, most of the things that people watch are actually in context of their own culture. So people actually do consume media because like now there's so many choices. You have 700 channels and 15 streaming services. So through that, people have the ability to really curate an experience that is really particular to their own culture. And therefore in that environment, they are now being exposed to a much more broader representation of themselves. So now when the commercials come on and brands show up in those spaces, are the brands showing up looking like, like the content that they are consuming? Right. And the analogy that I always use in a in a funny way, I use Spanish language. It's the equivalent of me watching something in Spanish language and then an ad coming on in Japanese. You'd be like, wait, why? What? That must be a mistake because the brain I, I would think, why is that? Why is a Japanese ad on my Spanish language channel? Right. So think of it that think of it just that that jarring to the brain when you are now in steeped in this endemic environment watching the show about, about black women navigating lives and, and and you and you love their hair and you're and, and you're tweeting with your friends about oh my god her hair looks so amazing oh my god i love that that dress and then the commercials come on and it's something that's very different than what you're seeing right so what what it it, it offers is is brands the opportunity to really lean into these spaces to be very thoughtful and i want to share a brand that, that i think is really doing that well and when we think about how we look at, I'll use Walmart as an example. Walmart, obviously national reach, everyone knows Walmart. So therefore they have the ability to say inside of my total campaign, I can have very specific endemic ads that are on global strategy or on national strategy that I can have specific ads for, for middle America. I can have specific ads for African-Americans, specific ads for Hispanic Americans, specific ads for the Asian community. And they can be really thoughtful, but it all fits in one brand framework. And I think that's, that's where we will start to evolve to is instead of having a, here's my general market ad and I have a completely separate strategy, direction, positioning for, um, for my diverse consumers, it really is going to be, how do we bring everyone into this common brand mission, this brand purpose? Because if it is brand led and brand story led, then the story of the brand should be the thing that actually filters down to everyone. So anyone who's touching Pantene can actually feel like their hair is healthy. They, um, they feel like shining is brilliant and they can really live into the brand promises that show up for the brand. I was just going to build on uh, on something that you said. It really, what you were talking about is the difference between diversity and inclusion, yes, right? Exactly. And people are always struggled to understand 
what is that definition? And, and, and one that I always use that is that helps people understand is diversity is on a commercial, okay, you've got a diverse cast, right? You've got a number of, of people from different ethnic backgrounds uh, uh, represented, let's say, let's say AA, for example. So you have a black woman in your commercial, but do you have a person who can do black makeup, right? Do you have a person who knows how to light black skin? Um, and, and that is really the difference between diversity and inclusion. Having somebody in the room versus having that person feel welcomed, included, and feeling like you know them well enough to have somebody to say, all right, I know I need someone special to do your hair, or I know your skin doesn't show up the same way in bright lights, and I'm going to enable that for you. And lastly, Leela, what could, should the industry look like in 12 months' time? Oh, such a great question. You know, hopefully there are a lot more brands that are well along their way on this inclusive, inclusivity journey. Um, and they are consciously choosing to be relevant and understand their consumer and to resonate, to find those ways to really show up with actions that are in support of the consumer. That would be amazing if, if we could get people started on that journey. Um, I also think it would be great if we are increasing the overall diversity of the beauty industry. It is not as diverse as we, I think any of us want it to be. The talent is out there. If you think about um, the, the operation um, operating environment, let's start recruiting um, more diversity into the industry. Creatives, talent, um, scientists, they're there. Let's go find them and bring them in. And it, this really is a journey. And I don't want to want, want people to think that with the 4R framework that we have this all figured out or P&G has it all figured out. It is always a journey because consumers are consistently changing. The environment is changing. Social unrest comes up. And that, that forces brands to reevaluate, to go back and listen to their consumers and reassess. So the 4R framework is a circle that you keep going back, you keep learning more, you keep um, increasing that relevance with consumers, you understand how to serve them better. So I'm hoping that brands in the beauty industry are all on that journey. And then I think the final thing for me is also I'm hoping that there's more allies. Because the beauty industry isn't as diverse yet as we want it to be, allies are critical. Um, we need the people that are in the room to open the door to the room a little bit wider, to pull up another chair to the table, and to help um, give us, and uh, us being the, the voice of diversity, that seat at the table so that if, you know, in a year we're in a better spot. So I have a lot of hopes for the industry in just 12 months, but I, I think you know, if we start on that path today, we're in a better place than we, than we were yesterday. And for you, Rolanda, in R&D? Yes, Leela talked for ours being a journey. They're also meant to have a long-term impact on ENI, and it, it's an investment. Having a brand ambition is so very important so that it's clear what your brand North Star is. So in addition to providing diverse consumers with an effective product, what's that brand's commitment to the consumers, the diverse consumers that they're serving? What's the brand's greater purpose? So said differently, what's that impact that the brand is aiming for that will continue to affect lives in a positive way now and even into the future? For example, investing in STEM, education and scientific research is so very important for us uh, with this consumer, with the black consumer. In doing so, we not only do the work that yields the results now, but it also sows the seeds that will yield a harvest later. Um, 
What that means for our brands particularly, we are creating a pipeline of people who look like the coily hair consumers we are serving and supporting, and we help them grow in the area of STEM, as well as enable them to thrive in opportunities that are made available to them. In everything we do, we have to look forward, plan forward, and pay it forward, and we're doing that with the 4R process to have a greater impact, again, not just now, but also for tomorrow and into the future. And for you, Tyel, in the greater media landscape, what does the future look like in 12 months' time? The future, I believe the future is going to look more progressive than even it is right now. Because what we are seeing with COVID and the Black Lives Matter movement is a social awakening that is that is that is that that has started, that I that has now been fueled um, by corporations jumping in, brands jumping in. To have a brand say something like Black Lives Matter is amazing because it, it, it wasn't happening five years ago. Right, so to have CEOs speaking about 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 build, breaking down systemic barriers to equality, those things are only going to fuel the 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 need for us to all show up differently, and really be thoughtful about how we exist as a brand in the broader industry. To to Lila's point, how does the industry um exist in the broader conversation around culture? And what this, what, and using this 4R framework, the thing I love about the 4R framework is it gives you the opportunity to be brave. And the bravery that then you can take as someone who might not be at PNG or might be at a company where you still have a lot of work to do, to take that in and say, I wanna have a conversation about bias. And I wanna have a conversation about how, how bias sits inside of our R&D our process, how, how bias sits inside of our marketing processes. How bias sits inside of our employment practices. You know, I, I will tell a story of one of the brands that I personally worked with in helping them build more authentic creative. That brand had a is a is a global brand. And they had a, they were building a global campaign. And in global campaign building, you are obviously trying to get some efficiency. So every every country is chipping in and we're all gonna fund this and we're gonna try to go to generally again racially ambiguous country to find people who look racially ambiguous so we can kind of have one or two ads that go across the board. And as they were making their choices, they came to BET to get some counsel because as they were making their, their, their choices, two of the countries said, even though black people in the US over index with your brand at between 25 and 35%, we don't want black people in ads in our country. And so what happened is in the global in the global tug of war resources, that meant that, that the US did not have any black representation in their communications because they were in this global model. For our framework will give you a will can 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 unleash some bravery for you to go back and have some of those tough conversations that are both around the business and the bias that exists in the system. Because we can talk about the business case, and the business case has always been there. And we've been talking about that for, for years. I would say now we can talk about the bias and really be thoughtful on, well, why haven't we really acted on this in the past and really and really find some, some bravery so that we can be thoughtful about the gaps that we have. And then ultimately to the point that I, I began with, because beauty brands are our reflection of where, where a woman is or a man is and, and where they wanna be, the brand can show her and be a part of a conversation 
where a woman doesn't have to worry about what her hair looks like in the workplace. A woman, a man can, can walk down the street much more safely. A man can express his facial hair in ways that, that he feels proud to, right? Those are all the benefits that we get when brands use frameworks like these to be brave and really have rich conversations. And with that, I would like to thank Leela, Sayel, and Rolanda for taking part today, and to you for listening. Thank you.